0: Hello, dear listener. Uh, as you've probably noticed, we haven't released an episode in a couple of weeks. Uh, that has been out of respect for and um, to give us time to participate in the national demonstrations going on about uh, racial disparity and policing racial injustice um, and police brutality. Uh, and uh, so before we released this episode, we wanted to come together and just uh, this episode that you're about to hear was recorded before any of this stuff happened, um, before George Floyd was murdered by police, before Breonna Taylor was murdered by police. Um, and so we wanted to just talk to you briefly about that before we we go into this episode. So, uh, as always, uh, we are, I am joined, as always, I am joined by uh, Rachel and Ben. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Fine. I've been doing all right. Um been uh, getting involved in some of the protests locally. I know Rachel has uh, been doing a lot as well. So. I've been out in these streets. That's right.
1: The streets are talking.
0: <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, so I just wanted um, uh, us to, to come together and talk about what's going on. Um, obviously, terrible time but in in some ways nothing has changed and this is the problem right so
2: yeah it's other a, than
0: that the the national spotlight the, the national discussion is finally on yeah police brutality in what seems like a very serious and real way uh, we'll see hopefully that that can go the distance to some effect anyway uh
2: i think like one thing that like we as leftists have to keep in mind is that it's really easy especially white leftists to it's really easy for us to kind of celebrate in this moment because we're seeing like a major cultural shift in opinions about the black lives matter movement and about what systemic racism is in america and while that's really good um it's also important to remember that the fight is like nowhere near finished and it's still going to take a lot of labor to push institutions in the direction that they need to go. Um, And so like we have to keep, you know, like it's, it's hard right now to be taking care of ourselves and making sure that we check in with our communities and stuff. But that stuff is really important if we're going to keep momentum sustained right now.
0: I totally agree. It's um, yeah, we're just getting started. This is just the the beginning of, of uh, hopefully a, a fight that we can take to the finish line. Um, I mean, that's always the hope, but you know, you see a lot of, we finally hear sort of the conversation changing. It's very strange to see sort of middle of the road libs talking about uh, police uh, uh, defunding the police and even a few talking about police abolition um, and what that might look like Um landscape's definitely shifting (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and one of the things that i I think i saw uh you know i know this i i don't know i haven't talked to you guys about this but one of the one of the interesting things that i saw recently was you know how do you explain you know police abolition or how do you explain uh defunding the police uh to people who probably aren't able or ready or willing to come around to that idea and um you know the boogeyman on the right our friend AOC actually I think had a pretty instructive thing to say about what that looked like and I and, and you know credit where credit's due it was clever you know defunding the police at least looks like the suburbs right I don't know if y'all saw that but you know she obviously doesn't need to be amplified any more than she already is but you know that's that's such an easy and pithy way to to make our our white moderate friends realize that, like, maybe you don't need you know, all this firepower in the police. Maybe it's um, maybe it's better if you just you know cut them cut them off and reroute the money elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I think in a lot of the conversations that I've been having recently, where we're all trying to process what's going on this this like kind of really idealistic but important thing keeps coming up which is that it's really important right now to dream and be creative and imaginative about what our future could look like and that's really the kind of framework we need going into those conversations because i think like it's it's easy to try to explain the logistical elements of police abolition as we're familiar with the arguments right If we've read uh, abolitionist theory, we can make those arguments um, about what defunding the police will look like. But it's also talking about a world in which we treat people differently on every level. And that's a really helpful thing, especially for like white libs who sometimes came from like the white hippie movement of the 70s who want to say like just love each other. It's an easy in to kind of be like, hey, remember this ideal that you 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 preach all the time? Like, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a world where people are treated well. Um, I actually, a big shout out to Allison, who doesn't listen to the pod, but is one of my best friends and knows John. Allison got her conservative Republican california family of uh five sisters and two a mom and dad to do a book club where they are reading our prisons obsolete together
0: holy shit
2: yeah so it's possible
0: that's impressive uh yeah you can try to definitely like you know push that conversation um that's one way to you know help the movement for sure um you know talk to people about it and, and push the conversation towards uh, a world where police are not necessary because uh, that what, better world is possible.
1: What do you all think about all of this, all of the uh, I guess, public relationizing of wokeness oh my god! That we've seen? What do you think about it's, that?
0: It's like, it's rainbow capitalism except now it's, I don't know. I don't know that you can call it black capitalism because that seems like something completely different. But
1: It's definitely different. <laughs>
0: it's, it's very similar. It seems very similar to what we see with, you know, because it's, it's also pride, I guess. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of it. So every company is also tweeting about, you know, happy pride or whatever. And then yeah. next month they'll go back to being shitty and discriminating against their LGBT employees. And same way they're going to do that with their black employees, um, you know.
2: Yeah, like the shit with Bon Appetit. I don't know if y'all <laughs> have seen that. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, we've got companies being like Black Lives Matter but then you have like the brown and black people that are working for those companies saying you are not fucking paying us Mm. or you are not fucking treating us the way we should be treated. And it's like, we're still gotta, we have to keep pushing. Like it's just, it's white people do not be fooled by these fucking brands. (laughs) Right. They don't give a fuck. No, there's
0: no such thing as a good company.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to, credit my pal ashley who lives up in up in dc uh ashley and a whole bunch of us up until recently uh decided to get our exercise via crossfit and um you know i'm I'm sure you all have seen crossfit's big fuck up this past uh, past week where the ceo or whatever dropped this uh really insensitive joke on twitter really fucked up i'm not going to repeat it if you haven't seen it now whatever don't even fucking it's stupid it's not fucking funny but the point is is that like you know the the gym that i go to uh is black owned um and i met all these other people at a different gym which is white owned and the black owned gym was like you know fuck this we're changing our name we're disaffiliating promptly and the white gym owners were like oh you know we're we're, we're shocked and appalled at, at all of this that happened. And it's like, you know, come on. Like, you know, the thing that that's so upsetting about it is just like, you know, as Ashley said, like, they, they only, ex- you know, respect us when we've got money to spend on their product. And so, fuck this. And, you know, I just wanted to shout out everybody, you know, who... <clears throat> Who decided that it's, um, you know, it's perfectly okay to just tell the people that you did care about and love and care for, who aren't willing to do what's right, to tell those people to, to get their shit together, to fuck off, and learn something before you come back and you know, try to try to do business with us or whatever.
0: Right. Definitely. So um, I thought it might be a good time here to um, encourage everyone as well to. Uh, You know, while we're talking about having conversations with people in your lives, um, it's important to remember that talk without action is nothing. Um, And so it's important to do what you can. Um, Get in the fucking streets. Uh, If you can't get in the streets for whatever reason, um, find ways to do um, bail support or um, run comms. I know there's been a group um, here locally that runs comms um, during the protests. Um, See what you can get involved with. Um, if you, um, and, and what other support that you can, you can provide. So it's it's important to actually do something, uh, something material and, and real.
2: Yeah. And, and don't, don't jump into the streets because it's like the fun, exciting thing to do. Right. Right. Like there are, there are groups that organize these actions who are pushing for systemic change and mm-hmm. a lot of that work requires the not so sexy organizing stuff that is emailing and calling and r- doing research. Like that is the work that's gonna have to continue when we're not in the streets. And-, and so like just remember that. Like being in the streets is not the only way to plug in. And right. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to a local action that happened in Greensboro that was organized by my friend April Parker. Um, she is really concerned about COVID, and so she organized a car, uh, what she, they called a morning drive, um, and everybody stayed in their cars and drove through downtown Greensboro. And uh and we ended up at the tombstone for the victims of the Greensboro Massacre, which if you don't know about it, you should look it up. It's really important um mm-hmm. to know about and especially in this moment as we're talking about how cops suck ass. Um but uh they you know <laughs> you can you there are ways to be um vocal and in the streets in even if it means you're at home, even if it means you're in your car.
1: Yeah. And um uh, another thing that needs to be reiterated, I, like, don't go into the streets for you know just because it's a good time. You know, ad- adventurism right. for adventurism's sake is uh, is the hallmark of an unprincipled person, or whatever Lenin said. I forget, but
0: yeah. something like that. that yeah. adventurism <laughs> is bullshit, <John. laughs> There
1: you go. Yeah, stay home. You know, if you you just want to go out and and like fuck shit up, we don't need that. If you want to go out and and help, go out. And yeah. if you're willing to to follow through and not just you know hang shit up, and go back to you know eat steady on the couch with your dog. Get your shit together. But if you're listening yeah. to this podcast, hopefully you're ready to plug in. You're ready to get involved. You're ready to DM John and uh, Rachel and not me and find yeah. out ways. <laughs> just kidding. I you know. It... <laughs>
2: On a serious note, I did create a Google Doc with, um, uh, like, com- compiled resources for anti-racist mm-hmm. education, specifically about abolition, specifically about divesting from white supremacy. Like, there's a bunch, mm-hmm. and I'd be happy to share it with whoever wants it, if you DM me. Um,
0: we can put it in the, the show notes as yeah, well. Yeah,
2: that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, here's a warning. To all the white hipsters who come into protest just to take fucking pictures, go home. Yeah. I will I will literally run you off the fucking street. Do the not worst. fucking do that shit. It is so gross. Go oh, home with your cuffed ass fucking shirt and pants and your stupid ass boots and your bullshit ass thick rimmed glasses. Get the fuck out.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, It's not a fucking photo op. Um, And similarly, uh, white folks, you are not leading these protests. It's not okay for you to try to lead these protests. You are there to help and to put your body uh, in between Mm -hmm. um, black folks and the police. Um, Listen to instructions. Do not try to lead chants like the guy at one of the rallies that we were at who was trying to lead a UBI chant.
2: Oh, no! Uh,
0: that guy did, oh, you, what, did
2: No, no, it tri- no.
0: yeah. didn't go anywhere. Oh, he shit. was like marching out in front of everybody with the primary black organizers and trying to start a UBI chant, and everyone yelled at him to shut the fuck up.
2: That is so embarrassing. So,
0: yeah, that was bad. Um, and and also like you're gonna encounter some lib shit, uh, at these protests, like at the one that we were at there was like thanking the police because they hadn't started cracking, cracking skulls yet. And it's, I mean, (laughs) look, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to occupy the same spaces with, with libs, you know, don't, don't like start fracturing up the fucking protest or arguing with people who are ostensibly on the same side of this as you are. So, um, just, you know, water off a duck's back uh, to a certain extent on that. stuff. Just let it go. I think, um,
2: yeah at the very least that is not the time to have those accountability conversations like if you want to try to educate people or bring people up like do it in a way that is not disrupting an event that you didn't fucking organize and do it in a way that honors the fact that everybody is at a different point and you need to meet people where they're at to be able to bring them forward that's just a fact shaming people will only go so far i mean listen some people deserve shame i'm not gonna say that but like Mm -hmm. ultimately the end goal is still to continue to increase the like radical (coughs) politics of our society
1: right um where do you think this is gonna uh what do you think is gonna happen as a result of all of this
0: i don't know man i'm not like a pundit I hope something. I mean, there's places having very serious conversations about at least defunding the police and moving, you know, what, obviously that means moving funds out of police budgets and into social services. Um, we'll see. The fucking American city to. just painted Black Lives Matter on the street and refuses to talk about defunding the police, so
1: fuck. Yeah, well, that's because she thinks she's going to be Joe Biden's vice president. Yeah. <sighs> Which would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway he sucks too and all the congressional leaders who put on kente cloth and knelt they suck
2: yeah you Uh. all suck that was so Like, okay, here's my question. Who the fuck but is behind this shit? Who's behind the Kente Cloth? Who's behind the celebrity video of I promise I will call uh, out racism uh, like they haven't been way overpaid compared to their black co-stars for decades? Who the fuck is doing this?
0: Go down that that whole rabbit hole.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we could do a whole like three hours about what the issues are but yeah. you know at the end of the day we are pushing like things are being pushed in the right direction and that's cause for hope
0: so uh, funda- i mean fundamentally th- should we talk about why police are bad like cops are bad from a leftist perspective is that the cops are the fucking lackeys of capital that primarily exist to the modern policing especially primarily exists to defend mm-hmm. Uh, capital from losing property, uh, and is primarily focused on defending the rights of property over the rights of human beings.
2: And um, to maintain a racial caste system.
0: Thank you, yeah, and to maintain white supremacy and a racial caste system, absolutely. Um, None of that stuff um, can really exist without some sort of police force, some sort of mechanized arm of capital um, that gives them the opportunity to use violence to put down any sort of uprising like we're seeing
1: right now. I'm having a hard time imagining a more succinct definition of class traitor. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. cops, And that's why, uh, that's why there's also a movement right now to get cops out of labor unions as well. Uh, as your labor daddy, I'll explain that yeah. uh,
2: uh,
0: cops do not have solidarity with the working classes. It's mm-hmm. always cops who are cops and fucking private cops uh, who are used to break up strikes, to break up unions, to surveil unions. Um, and so uh, if you are in a union and you're listening, I would urge you to put pressure on your union. Uh, and I'm, if, assuming that you are AFL-CIO affiliated, put pressure on the AFL-CIO to decertify uh, police unions and to kick the police unions out of the AFL-CIO.
2: Yeah, because they um, said some dumb shit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> cops should never have been brought into the fucking labor movement. Um, it's the product of business unionism, and I will could go on for uh, give a whole lecture about that, but yeah, cops don't belong in your labor movement. Right, you're Local leadership and your national and international leadership and get that shit taken care of. Um, Tony
2: Soprano at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. Fucking. He's a label uh,
2: leader.
0: He's a label leader. All right, Ugh, uh, yeah. So there's a ton of stuff out there right now that you can, there's a ton of resources. I'm going to post a few, um, including the notes that Rachel mentioned. I'm also going to post a, a giant Google spreadsheet that's been going around that has links to bail funds and stuff like that that you can contribute to. Um, but uh, now is a, is, a, is a special time that we can all um, get involved with. And, and it's one of those times where, you know, potentially in the future, if you have grandchildren and you can tell your grandchildren which side of this conflict you were on, you know, tell them what you were on, I mean, what you could do. Yeah.
1: And if you're not on this side of the fucking conflict, turn this goddamn podcast off and go listen to some other shit.
0: And being on this side of the conflict without doing anything means nothing. So do something.
1: Um, We're happy you're on the side. Now just fucking yeah. do something. God yeah. damn. Yeah.
0: Voting is not <laughs> anything. Tweeting is not anything. Listening to podcasts is not anything. Do something.
1: Except if it's our podcast, then it's it's <laughs> something. Support your uh, Italian-American-owned podcast, Gobble oh, oh, just- and <laughs> and also, I wish so badly...
0: <laughs> There is an episode dealing with fucking Columbus of The Sopranos, and I wish so badly that it was this episode that you're about to hear, but it's not that episode. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to the Columbus episode, uh, but fuck Columbus, too, and fuck all your statues. uh. All your statues.
2: And if anyone wants to kiss in one of the autonomous zones, I'm available.
0: Shout out to the CHAZ. (laughs) The CHAZ is very cool, and Libs will try to tell you that it's not. And even if it folds tomorrow... It's still fucking cool, and it's a cool thing. <laughs> and uh, I, I think all leftists, we all stand in support and in solidarity with the CHAZ. Uh, Shout-out to the comrades in Seattle. Uh-huh. Shout-out, by the way.
2: Trying to do in it in Asheville, Asheville too. Okay.
0: Shout-out to the Asheville comrades.
1: The only cool thing I think I've ever seen Fox News ever do was recognize the <laughs> existence of the U.S. CHAZ border. Yeah.
2: Oh... <laughs> uh.
1: Like cool, man. That rules. That's awesome. Holy shit, that's awesome. Well, shit. Well, you we gonna... want to listen to a to a podcast now? You want to hear us yap about how awesome <laughs> whatever episode this was?
0: What episode is this going on? This is the this is the in between uh, seasons episode.
2: Oh, good. Oh, that's right. Then they don't. Is, yeah, that yeah, that'll this is work. Some,
0: nice. Some reflection. Some reflection on the first season is what you're about to hear. Uh, and then our sort of predictions for season two. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. So good episode to have our little intro on. Mm-hmm.
2: Very nice. All right. Well, I'll
1: see y'all on season two then. Yeah. Thank you, listener. And remember, Black Lives Matter. And, and Italian lives, Italian-American lives matter less.
0: Oh yes. God,
2: ben, <laughs> God damn it! You know, you could have said blue lives don't exist. I mean, anything. There are no
1: <laughs> such thing as blue lives. Yes, you're. Uh, blue. Holy
2: shit! All right, we love you.
1: Yeah, we, we do, do love you. <laughs> See you on the other side. Pod.
3: Gabagool, and Something with fat and nitrates. Hey, <laughs> hey, Gabriella sent me down here for the gabagool. The gabagool. let uh, yeah. Gabagool. The gabagool. We had sandwiches brought in the other night. Four with ham, salami, gabagool. Taking the gabagool and shit out of the fridge. Gabagool? Over here. All this from a slice of gabagool. Let's get back to that Gabagool.
0: Hello, and welcome to Gabagool and Roses, the only and best leftist Sopranos podcast. I'm John. I've seen The Sopranos a bunch of times. My two co-hosts have never seen The Sopranos before. Usually, we go episode by episode and discuss the theme and the plot of the episode. Uh, This week, on a very special Gabagool and Roses, we are doing our Season 1 wrap-up, Season 2 preview Uh, discussing our thoughts from Season 1 and what we see going into Season 2. So, I will let my
1: co-hosts introduce themselves. Hey, what's up? I'm Ben, and I've seen Season 1 of The Sopranos.
2: Hi, I'm Rachel. I've also seen Season 1 of The Sopranos, and uh, none of Season 2 yet.
1: Ah, uh, Ben has cheated.
0: Yeah, that's and to a
1: call out. I wasn't gonna raise that. I was just going to sit silently and. Yeah, no. I've I've only seen the first two episodes of season two, and I'm not I'm not going to say anything about them because I've already forgotten them.
0: Okay. Well, Great. that's that's good. So uh, let's start with our sort of uh, season one wrap up. Our thoughts on season one. Rachel, you said you had a bunch of notes. Did you? Oh. <laughs>
2: Let me rephrase. I have a few notes, okay, light notes, but I do have a Google Doc, so you can tell I took it very seriously.
0: Very seriously. I have some notes as well. Um, Ben doesn't. Uh, It is uh, Easter Sunday, uh, so happy Easter. Three or four weeks from now? (laughs) We've got a lot in the bag, uh, which is good for us. But anyway.
2: And happy Passover.
0: Yes and happy past
2: lest we forget Jesus himself celebrated this day and I did watch the Prince of Egypt recently so I'm pretty does, does it hold up? Uh, I got a little distracted and I started thinking about what if what if the red uh, what if the Nile River turning into blood was a direct action? So, okay. I really, you can't ask me, I, like, really got distracted. I started looking at, like, the, hist- the history, historicity of the Bible. It, like, went off the rails for me. I couldn't just enjoy this animated children's movie. But, if anyone wants to know about the historicity of the Bible, DM me, because I have a lot of thoughts.
0: I remember, the one thing I remember from that movie is that the music slaps.
2: I think the music was bad.
1: It was bad? Okay. I haven't seen it since I was a child, so... But also, this is coming from the same person who thought that Visiting Day was good.
2: God damn it, dude! (laughs) God damn it, dude!
1: Oh...
2: (laughs) You know what? Oh, man.
0: Uh, Well, while we're on the topic of religion, what I did was I went back and listened to our first preview episode where we had predictions, and both of you had some predictions about religions... Uh, ben, you were you were going to uh, uh, be very interested in the Christian themes that maybe came up in the first season. Uh, we did see some of that. What did you think about the uh, the Christian episodes and the episodes dealing with
1: religion and Christianity on The Sopranos? So I think the um, the last episode that we watched season or episode 13 where uh, Carmela confronted father Phil about leading uh, spiritually thirsty women on and having a whiff of sexuality or whatever. Um, I thought that that was, I mean, you know, the the manipulation of people through religion uh, certainly showed up in season one a lot more than I expected that it would. Uh, and I thought that, um, I thought that was interesting. I also thought that, um, so many of the characters through this entire season uh had some sort of like close um, elisions with uh with the church in some way or another you know I, I think Tony and Meadow ended up in in church at the beginning of the of the season uh Christopher you know swerved his car in front of a church before he picked up the newspaper um Carmela took communion in a really sexy scene <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and it seems like the only character who actually you know seriously engaged and thought about uh, about Christianity or teachings of Jesus was Artie, and Artie seemed to be the most at peace out of all the characters at the end of the of season one. You know, even though it came from the rejection of the counseling Father Phil, I, I did think it was interesting that that he seems to be you know coming out of season one in the best shape.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those were those were all the uh,
1: the really important
0: Christianity scenes. You summed them up very nicely, um, Rachel. You talked a little bit about in our first episode about how Italians and Jews are very similar, uh, and I think there was a lot more Jewish content than probably we anticipated. Um, what do you have any thoughts about Hesh? Uh, uh, like final thoughts about season one on Hesh or about the, there's the episode with the Hasidim, but i didn't yeah. believe him
2: yeah uh, <laughs> um well as as y'all will recall i did recant my praise of hesh
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> as it turns out he sucks <laughs> um but yeah no <clears throat> there was a lot of jewish stuff uh which was great um I, I love the, that the show gave us very early on the idea of Tony as a golem. I really mm. love that. It still, like, sticks out in my mind when I see him doing ridiculous shit. Um, I also, I, I, I will call us back to an episode where Father Phil was talking about how he grew up in a Jewish neighborhood um, and so every so often, I will he- you, Father Phil will say something that is Yiddish, mm-hmm. and I love that. It's a, like a little sprinkling. But um, yeah, even like the I don't know that there are a lot of similarities. Even the fact that they go ju- uh, Junior goes to Boca Boca mm-hmm. Raton. Lots of lots of New York Jews down there. I know because my family is down there. Um, so yeah, no, I feel like I was proven correct.
0: Definitely. As we know, um,
2: I view everything as a win or lose. Right. I think I did win that prediction.
0: Okay, good. Uh, yeah, and you have even... Uh, Father Phil comes right out and says there's a lot of similarities between the Paisans and the Jews, which was exactly the theory that you posited in the first episode. So I think the show, uh, the show definitely uh, bore that out. Ben has... Um, Ben oh. yeah Ben has left and quit the podcast. There he is. Hey, I'm Peter.
2: Ben, ben can't stand to be here anytime I talk about Judaism. <laughs> That's <not> true.
3: <laughs>
0: he has to leave. Rachel, you had wanted you were very interested in the relationships in the Sopranos and sp- specifically the romantic relationships and whether or not you would find a healthy relationship among the bunch. Did you?
2: Oh. Ah. I I gotta think about that. Tony and Carmella, are n- I would not call that a healthy relationship.
0: No. Nope.
2: Uh, Artie and Charmaine, I wouldn't even call a healthy relationship. Nope. Definitely not Chris and Adriana. Um nope. Who else is there? Mikey Palmisi and his wife. No. Nope. <laughs> um nope. Maybe Hesh and his wife. You know, he goes to We just to bed see them. <bed>.
0: Uh, I don't even think she speaks, but yeah. sure. Yeah, no. There are very toxic relationships on the show, and I don't know that we've seen uh, a healthy one. Even Father Phil's marriage to God is questioned.
2: Oh, that's
0: yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, to tie both the, the religion and the relationships
1: together here, but yeah.
2: Father mm-hmm. Phil is cheating on God.
1: <laughs> he is. Yeah, Father Phil is fucking up the entire. Mm. He's bad. Yeah, he's, bad. he's not good. <clears throat> uh, yeah, he's a, he's a,
0: he's a cheater. And uh, so let's talk about uh, other anti-Italian stereotypes, which Ben, you were very interested in whether the show would have
1: lots of anti-Italian stereotypes, and it what did. Is you? <laughs> it did. Okay. Uh, every every uh, Italian man has a side, and uh, that was in it um, for sure. Every Italian family has a shithead, uh, you know, chubby prince, and and <laughs> sure enough, um, you know, they they talk a lot about anti-Italian stereotypes, you know, using really terrible characters such as Melfi's ex-husband. Um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, I, I understand why you know, this show would be not particularly popular with Italian. Uh, but also I understand how the show would be very popular with Italian Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's just, uh, I surprised me
0: to hear that because, uh, when I re listened to that first episode, cause I was like, there's a whole episode where the, one of the themes is they're talking about anti-Italian stereotypes and whether that's a real thing. And, and we talked about it in our episode, the, the mm-hmm. sort of fiction of racism against Italians. Um, so uh sh- shouts out to ben on uh, on a good prediction there Blah! that's cool uh, da, 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 da. uh Ra- so rachel you wondered if society was better for having the sopranos are you you may not have an answer to that yet because we're only one season in are you any closer to to forming an opinion or have you formed an opinion about whether society is better for having the
2: sopranos um I don't think I have I think I will need to watch a few more seasons uh, yeah, and, I think that's at, fair. at least but I will say I if I had to choose one way in which the show benefited society at large I would say it is normalizing mental illness and mm-hmm. therapy and so in that sense it is good now mm-hmm. there's a lot that counter that 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 counterbalances that but I don't. That's like a whole. I would have to write like a fucking paper for me to like really get those thoughts out, and I haven't seen enough of it. But I think that's yeah. That's a that's one benefit.
0: Oh, I think that's a that's a good point. Uh, and while we're on that note, uh, you also predicted that the therapist would not be real. Are you any closer to figuring <laughs> that one out? Uh.
2: Well, I feel like a fool for this one because I think well. it's pretty apparent. <laughs> Unfortunately that Melfi is a real person, whatever. Um, go ahead, you know
1: ben. yeah, I mean i I was wondering that as well, uh, and, and I think unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I'm glad she's real, but it seems like her only contribute to the season was to give Tony um ways to be a more efficient monster and not so much help him get better and reconcile with anything but instead to provoke him either to provoke him and antagonize and fuel his rage or, uh, to give him tips on how to be, yeah, more efficient as, as John, you said, what, episode six, seven, Pack Pac-Soprano. Do you think that
0: we've seen Tony improve through the help
1: of therapy?
0: No. I mean, other than the fact that he's not having panic attacks by the end of the season anymore. Um, is he a better person later in the season than he was earlier in the season? I don't think so. No. Uh, and I think we see actually in the season finale, he straight up murks a dude uh, pulling a gun out of a giant fish. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I don't think that we are, uh, Tony is, is is a better person. Although with the, when the, the pedophile episode, he didn't hurt the guy. So... I don't know. We see maybe it's one step forward, two steps back for old old t stocks. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ben.
1: I don't know what I was going to say.
2: Now that I'm thinking about it, you know, he spends a lot of time in therapy talking about, like, sex and his mom. Sorry. Uh, but he, <laughs> he doesn't really, like, Melfi doesn't really help with things like his relationship with his children or even really his relationship with his wife. Um, and so, like, uh, yeah, I don't think we're really digging deep yet into the work that Tony would need to do to become a better person. And because, well, I don't know. I, I, I think that if that is going to happen, it's going to be like in one of the later seasons.
0: I think that's fair. So there we go. A prediction for future seasons: yeah. Will Tony continue to grow, and uh, will he become a better person? Will he grow? <laughs> will he grow? Is he done growing, or will he become six foot seven?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's just bad. Like he's a, a bad fucking guy. Uh, I don't
0: know. Whatever. Yes, <laughs> um, Ben, you had a uh, a prediction that was right on, and I think we saw it, saw it almost immediately that someone would get cancer. Yeah, uh, and sure weird.
1: enough, uh, yeah, weird prediction, he, but hell.
0: Yeah, Jackie Aprile gets uh not get cancer. He already has cancer when the season starts. Uh, mm-hmm. but then he he succumbs and dies from his uh cancer uh pretty early on in the season and that puts the rest of the season into motion in terms of the power struggle between Tony and uh Uncle Baby Billy, Uncle Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh I, uh oh we also we all talked about how HBO has great casting, and I said that the show had great casting after seeing the first season. What do you all think about the casting in this or in the season in the show?
1: Yeah, um, I, I like every everybody did a fantastic job, and um, you know nobody nobody really seems like a fish out of water or anything. You know, I I just listened to the the episode where they're talking about that Steven Seagal movie which he's an EPA agent. I just watched that not too long ago. It's great. Yeah. What's it? Was it fire down below? Is fire called? down under
0: or fire down below or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's actually yeah. good. <laughs> so
1: like, Sorry. like the, the idea of like, like the world is, is blended very well. All the characters, all the casting is, is terrific. I, I think that, you yeah, the only person I don't really, I don't, I don't like all that much is like father Phil's character.
2: Yeah. Big agree.
1: Like a, a, like he's not doing good enough. He's just a fuck. Whatever. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> I think the casting is great. I will say they had a leg up cause they're recycling some actors from other similar move, like uh, <laughs> themed movies, like Goodfellas. fellas. Um, so, you know, uh, but like Steven Van Zandt, is amazing
3: <laughs> isn't he
0: he's great and he's not a fucking actor like he's yeah. the, our, like the hippie-ish guitar player for um what bruce springsteen
2: yes um
0: mm-hmm. yeah playing totally against type yeah um it's great and and um yeah they they borrow heavily from the goodfellas cast rachel do i remember correctly that you watched goodfellas for the first time during our first season watch yes
2: that's correct.
0: What are your thoughts on Goodfellas?
2: Um, i really liked Goodfellas. Uh I I gotta say, it's very similar to the first season of The Sopranos, to the point that I think it is The Sopranos is a ripoff. Um Okay.
0: Uh, think.
2: I don't know. I just like I, I understand, I don't, uh, well, so here's the thing, before we started watching this, I did not really give a fuck about this, like, genre, like, Italian crime families or anything. I did not care. I'd never seen Goodfellas, I'd never, I've never seen, I've never seen Scarface, I've never seen, uh, The Godfather, I, like, just have no interest, um, and now, I, like, while I do like, uh, the- the Sopranos and I liked Goodfellas I'm also like "Mm." it feels like it feels like watching you know it feels like watching any like David Lynch movie or that's a bad example stylistically no but you know (laughs) there there (laughs) there are like movies and tv shows that are just so it seems like this just different iterations of the same themes and like stuff and I'm it's it's great, but it's also, like, I'm good on that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It may surprise you to learn that uh, in Scarface, uh, Senor Tony Montana is Cuban. It's about a
2: Cuban. Oh, yeah. Reality. See, like, I don't that. even fucking know. Um, Maybe I would like it more because it's different.
0: It's, uh, honestly, Scarface is only meh. I'm not a huge Scarface fan.
2: Really?
1: Scarface is actually a bad movie.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it's bad. Well... yeah.
2: As we know, I love bad things, so I'm gonna. (laughs) That makes me want to watch it more. Yeah,
0: I I mean,
1: it's it's fun. Like it's a fun movie, but it's stupid, and it's
2: yeah. Well, hey, that's right on my alley. Um, I will say one thing: Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. I I really fucking loved him, and I kind of at this point find him a more compelling main character than Tony. Um, I understand why they're different because obviously this is the Sopranos is going to take it more in depth and go in a different direction. But I'm not like, I don't think like Tony's like not that likable to me. Ray Liotta is very likable.
0: Right on. Uh, so uh, there's another thing that we can watch for. Will Tony become more likable? Um, one of the things that I don't think any of us predicted was that, uh, all of the talk that we would have about the outfits and uh costumes and things uh speaking of scarface which i think does have great 80s miami uh costumes and clothing uh we, we saw a lot of uh very good outfits mostly uh on the carmela side um and some in our flashback episodes um Rachel, did you want to – you were mostly bringing up the outfits. Did you have any wrap-up that you wanted to bring up? You don't have to, but
2: um, – I did mention in my notes that Adriana's outfits were one of my favorite uh, yes. things of the season. Um, I think she had great outfits. Obviously, Carmela did. But Carmela's are very much, like, mom outfits, whereas Adriana's are, like, hot girl outfits, where I'm like, oh, my God, like <laughs> – I could see that on Instagram, you know. Um, uh, I, there are a couple of really good fashion moments that stick out to me, and a lot of them have to do with the hats <laughs> people are wearing. Okay. So, like, Chris is wearing that amazing construction <laughs> hat in one scene that just, like, is perfect and looks like he... It's clearly... Like, if you didn't already know that his job uh, for, work like, for the union was bullshit... Uh, that outfit with the hat makes it very clear. It's a good visual joke. And then also, Steven Van Zandt wears a fucking amazing hat in one episode, and I can't remember, but it's his own hat, I think, right? It's, yeah,
0: when they're golfing. It's a yes. giant golf hat. Yeah. Uh, Chris also has the great the uh, after hat after has shot the fishing hat with all the lures <laughs> hanging off yes. Of it. Yes.
2: There
1: are some
0: great
2: hats, <laughs> yeah. I guess, in the yeah.
1: first season of The Sopranos. Yeah. Um. So. And I also like the uh the uh the clothes and the flashbacks especially in the in the down neck episode mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. where uh you know we're back in the long hot summer uh the little little tony has amazing clothes and I think all of us want to wear his uh his clothes in you know mm-hmm. adult size like we are uh and uh <laughs> yeah I mean, no I uh, want to wear them in Child size and just be
0: ripping out of them like the
1: Hulk. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was cool, man.
1: It was it was excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Um, one of the things that I want to be more conscious of moving forward is the show is pretty liberal, um, and I mean that as not in the terms of like liberal or conservative, but in the terms of like liberal or leftist. Um, but it is pretty liberal in the way that it treats like we talked a lot about racism and homophobia and some like id poll kind of things. Um, but that, that kind of masks the underlying class issues. Um, so one of the things that I want to make sure to watch for more as we go forward in the, the different seasons is to watch for the class conflict a little bit more and bring it up a little bit more on the show. Um, Cause it's definitely there. Like Tony is, like high upper class, or not high upper class, but he's upper class, um, and uh, and is a, a is a fucking uh, bourgeois uh, pig, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and there is definitely um, going to be more uh, opportunity to talk about the class conflict there, and, and how um, even uh, the exploitation of the the union by the mob and and things like that. So. Um, Anyway, just a random synapse firing there.
2: So. No, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so Yeah, go so, ahead, Ben. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking there's some plot conflicts that need to be resolved and I'm not gonna, you know, I I the one that or there are two of them that I'm interested in. And one is Irina. I don't know what happened with her, what's yes. going on with her. Hmm. Uh, and I and there was one thing at the end of this of season one that sort of short made me short circuit that I didn't talk about on last episode but you know when when they go into Artie's restaurant with the power out Chris and Adriana are at the bar having a a nice time Mm -hmm. right yes
0: when did they reconcile oh right because in the in Legend of Tennessee Multisanti she went to go stay with her folks right
2: I think no it was after that because it was when it was when the stuff with Massive Genius happened
0: yeah Mm. Right. Well, I, I guess we're just to assume that they reconciled. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm happy that they did. I just was like, wait a minute. Okay, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll all be happy to know that there will be more Adriana going forward. Yeah. We love her. <laughs> we stand.
2: Mm-hmm. We do. Yep.
0: yep. Uh, so that's kind of the notes that I had other than the do... I didn't know if you guys wanted to do like Stan of the season. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. How are like favorite episodes? I don't know that I could rank all of the episodes, but I could definitely. uh, So yeah, Rachel, what was your favorite episode?
2: Um, college was my favorite for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it was it was to, I think it was a good episode in terms of, like, writing and, and the plot and all of that, but also it just kind of felt like the episode that really kicked things off. It was, like, that was the episode where I was, like, I'm in now. Like, I'm into the show and I care. Um, because the first several episodes were kind of, like, eh, I don't know. Um, you know, there was a lot of setup and, like, kind of, i was I wasn't fully engaged, but college was like that was the you know you get to see Tony really like at his barest and then you get this kind of the the i guess the the ongoing thing (sighs) what am i trying to say the like storyline but it's more than a storyline of tony's children reconciling what he is with them their own identities um which i think i've talked about a lot and i find very compelling um but yeah i feel like that was when the season really started for me
0: yeah i think it, it does that it has that thing the wire because I'm a white guy, so I've seen The Wire a bunch of times. Um, that's a similar thing where, like, it's it's not until really halfway through the season when it yeah. really clicks. Um, uh, and yeah, so College was definitely my favorite episode as well, and I think it it is the best episode of the first season that really um, boils down the theme of the show, which is the family versus the family. Mm. Um, and that sort of dichotomy of Tony juggling his role as a uh, boss of New Jersey. Well, he's not whatever as a New Jersey mobster with his life as a, as a father and, and a quote unquote family man. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben, what was your favorite episode of the season?
1: Um, you know, I, I think my favorite episode was probably Boca. Uh, that was my favorite episode to record. Yeah, I mean, it, sure. like I, I think it was my favorite. You know, not definitely to record. I, I had so much fun recording that with you all. Uh, but also, you know, like if if there was any point in this season where we were going to be discussing just the absurdity of this show, I mean, that's where it was. I mean, all all the this entire plot is so fucking absurd. And, you know, toward the end of, uh, like, like that to me was just, it, it was just, I liked it a lot. I had so yeah. much fun watching it. Whatever. It was absurd. The whole, the whole season's absurd. The show's absurd. It's
0: definitely. And I think we all are, are in agreement about what our least favorite episode was, at least. I think it was a hit as a hit. Right. Mm, yeah. Visiting day or no? Okay. What, what? All right. So that was my least favorite episode. Is a hit. <laughs> a hit. Uh, I will go around the table then. Uh, did Why you didn't you a like break? a hit is a hit? Because of all the terrible music. Yeah, it was bad. Very bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god! You know what? <laughs> Let's forget what tiny tears.
0: Tiny
2: tears. Never forget. I'm just saying there are other moments in this season where the music is very bad.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right. Well then Rachel, what is your, what was the episode you hated? <sighs> Liked the least.
2: It's so, it's hard for me to say, cause I was thinking about this and it's hard because I kind of like talking about college as kind of the starting point, like the kickoff of the season for me, it's like, Honestly, any of those first four episodes I could probably say I didn't care for. But <laughs> once, like, after college, this, that second bit of the season, I kind of didn't like Isabella because, I, I don't know, it, it, Isabella is a good episode empirically. Like, I think that it is well done, the script is good, etc. I think... It is so, uh, I don't know, it's just like so over, it hits you over the head so hard with the like psychoanalysis and, you know, anytime, like again, just the way the show treats its women characters is so shitty and Isabella was like the perfect example of that because whereas with the rest of the season, all the female characters are used as like tools to for the men to reach an end. Um, Isabella is like taking that a whole step further and it's a whole ass character that doesn't even exist. And she's like beautiful with perky tits and like great or whatever. And like, she, you know, if she just exists to further Tony's like story and it's just annoying, you know, feels gratuitous.
0: It it definitely is. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Ben, what was your least favorite episode?
1: You know, I think my least favorite episode was Pac-Soprano. Uh, I mean, it, okay. just, it was it was too slow. Uh, it wasn't very entertaining. I think it was less entertaining than uh, the one that I actually fell asleep during. <laughs> but, like, right. I, I mean, but I will say, like, thinking about A Hit as a Hit and Pac-Soprano and, and Boca, all those three episodes, they just kind of seem like wastes of time you know, when we get around to the end, right? I mean, it's... You know how, like, you'll have a... It seems like you can place those three... Maybe less Pac-Soprano, but Boca and it is a hit. You can put those episodes in any part of this first season, and the narrative would be the same, I think. Okay. I think that might be about right, yeah. So. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I didn't... Uh, I don't know, the, the Pax Soprano episode was just limp. But that was the one with Tony's broken dick, right? So, no, I don't like, think so.
2: Yeah, I think it is.
1: It is it? Okay. Yeah. Tony's cannoli. Oh, it be?
0: is. It is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I ruined it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I guess it maybe is. thematically... Damn it, you know, the whole episode is shot through a, uh, you know, an impotent Tony Soprano because he's indeed impotent. All right. Well, I feel like that was a bummer. Uh, (laughs) Yep.
0: uh, Okay. Um, Did either of you have other thoughts on season one? Just generally you want to share before we sort of do like stands of the season.
2: Are we going to talk about predictions for season two? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Are we going to do stands and then predictions?
1: I think so.
2: Okay, cool. Then I sense? can wait. Then I have nothing. Okay. Uh, season did one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I had a good time watching it. But, yeah,
0: yeah, how about that? Yeah. Was Did you enjoy watching season one of The Sopranos? Yeah, it was good. Rachel, you have to use your mouth. You can't because <laughs> it's a podcast.
2: Um, yeah, no, I did. I mean, I, I think it would have been so different if I had watched it not doing a podcast with people I enjoy uh, hanging out with because it like, you know, I would, I, I don't know. It just would be so different. So I, no matter what would you have, what I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it would be a totally different thing and I don't know like how I would have felt about it. Maybe I would have enjoyed it more. Maybe I would have enjoyed it less. I don't know.
0: Would you have finished the first season if you weren't doing a podcast about the Sopranos? No. Mm-hmm. I would.
2: Yeah. I think if I had, I think if I had gotten through college, maybe, but I don't know that I would have.
1: Yeah, I mean... Great. I'm making you all watch a show that you only kind of like, it's
0: great. No,
2: I like it now.
1: Yeah. I I never would have started, I I never would have turned it on if you were like, let's, you know, let's do this dumbass podcast.
2: Yeah. I would never (laughs) have watched, I would have gone my whole life without seeing The Sopranos, Mm -hmm. probably.
1: So thank you, John. Well, uh, I don't know that you should thank me. Preaching the gospel of the Sopranos. Uh, yeah, well, that was one of
0: the things that I said that I struggled with on the first episode is whether or not this was a good show or not. Cause I said, mm. it's a good show. No, um, it's a good show to look at. It is good at times. Uh, and sometimes it is really, really good. And, uh, sometimes the, the characters are very compelling and good. And other times, like Ben said, uh, the show is, is impotent and it falls flat. Um, but it uh, but could. I'm glad that you all are, are at least enjoying it in this context.
2: John, um, can I ask, so you, you've seen this series multiple times. How, <laughs> how has your opinion of it changed watching it like this and doing the podcast?
0: There have been a few specific things. Like, I think um, I, I, I think I mentioned this before. The Isabella episode was, before we rewatched it just now, um, one of I thought my the episodes that I hated the most. Like I the, I just remember completely hating that episode. And I think talking about that with you all before I watched it and then watching it, realizing like it's not that bad. Like it sucks. And I know Rachel, you said it was the one that you disliked the most. But it it the the thing that I remembered hating about it was the construct of Isabella being a figment of his imagination or a psycho- psychotic episode or something like that. Um, and that works a lot better than I remembered it working, um, whether or not the, the whole episode as a whole worked, uh, that, that thing works to get across the point, maybe a little heavy handedly, but, um, not nearly as bad as I, as I thought. Uh, but then also just trying to look at it and look for the leftist themes as a way that I hadn't watched the show mm-hmm. before, um. And it's always exciting for me to be like, what are you all going to th- – what is Rachel going to think about this? What is Ben going to have to say about this? That's a that's a fun way to watch the show as well, mm-hmm. uh, especially like Boca. And I think my little brother – shout out to Matt um, – is a listener to the podcast, and uh, he's watching a few episodes ahead of us. And when he got to the Boca episode, he was like – I can't wait to hear what Rachel has to say about this. And then that reminded me, and I was like, oh, yeah, Rachel's going to go off on this episode. Uh, And sure enough, that was, I think, one of my favorite episodes to record. So, uh, yeah. So watching it through that lens as well has been fun.
2: Shout out to Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Appreciate you. Uh,
0: All right. So uh, why don't we do our stands of the season? Uh, Who is your favorite character and who had your favorite arc? Uh, or you know your favorite outfits or whatever. However, we want to uh, to pick our stands. Don't
2: say it like it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, oh,
0: excuse me, uh, Rachel. Do you, I'll let you go first.
2: Uh, I kind or of want us to no. I kind of want us to guess who oh, okay. uh, who each other's stands are going to be. Okay. Um, do y'all want to guess who mine will be?
1: Uh, Adriana.
2: Ben, or, do you have a guess?
1: Uh, I think, yeah, either Adriana or Charmaine. Mm.
2: No, Meadow, obviously. Oh, duh.
0: Duh. Of
2: course. Yeah, that
0: makes more sense.
2: Meadow is like, I, from the first moment I saw Meadow, I thought, this is the shining light of the show. And (laughs) I have not been proven wrong. Uh, Even in, like, the latest episode that we watched, she, like, made some... What was it? It was when AJ responded with, that's dicked up. She was talking about, like, some kind of, like, animal rights issue. Chickens never touch the ground. Yeah, chickens (laughs) never touch the ground. And I was like, fucking go... Like, that, I relate so much to Meadow because I, too, was a little shit uh, when I was growing up. And I would just, like, try to... Well, not try, but sometimes it was fun, or at least I enjoyed bringing consciousness to people about issues at appropriate moments, like when you're eating
0: chicken.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've ruined
0: plenty of dinners.
2: I have ruined so many dinners you would not believe. Um. No,
0: I completely (laughs) lied it.
2: Um, But guess what? I was right every single time. No. Of course. Um, Yeah, I fucking love Meadow. I think she's badass. I think the fact that she, like, helped her friend get through a really tough time and, like, had to bear that weight of um, supporting a friend who has been uh, abused is really tough. And I think she's a great character, and I'm excited to grow.
1: And I'm also proud of her for kicking her methamphetamine habit.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, child drug use was something that I didn't think we were going to have to talk a lot about, and it's a reoccurring theme with uh, mm-hmm. with Old Meadow.
1: Ooh, uh,
0: yeah. It's yeah, funny, but- Rachel, that Meadow was your stan of the season because she is, I think, notoriously among fans of the show. First season Meadow is like a meme, <laughs> like really sucks. Yeah, but I mean, consider who is a big fan of The Sopranos, and uh, you know, <laughs> I will fucking
2: them. fight... <laughs> whoever makes fun of meadow or me
1: <laughs>
2: that I believe is, it. you know what in the words of one aj soprano that's dicked up yeah um, up. please y'all oh man john and ben please be on the lookout for those memes because i want to see them and then i want to uh bully cyber bully the people that create them
1: <laughs> and you too yeah. listener you also forward all first season meadow memes directly to rachel
2: yeah <laughs> Um, right who wants to go next? And I want to guess.
1: Uh, ben, you can go next.
2: Okay. I yeah, who do you
0: think it is? Hmm. It's tough.
2: Ben is a I'm wild gonna... card, I feel.
0: <laughs> it could be Alec Baldwin or something. It could be.
2: I feel like it, it's like Melfi or oh. Artie. Mm. Those are my guesses.
1: Those are good guesses. I'd lean towards Artie. Mm. Uh, so my stand of the first season is Livia.
3: <laughs> Shut, up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Shut
1: up! No, seriously, because like if we're going through the the prism of like whose story arc are we most impressed by? Like you, you're gonna tell me Which we're not. Okay, well then. Well, no, it, anyway, it can be whatever.
2: No, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry.
0: Want it to be, I'm so excited. I don't know that, Livia's Arc. Okay, go ahead.
1: I'm Livia's sorry. Arc is fucking fantastic. Are you kidding me? She starts by burning peppers or whatever in her <laughs> in her kitchen, being a complete fucking idiot, moron, getting put in a nursing home. <laughs> and, she has dementia. <laughs> and then Ork, well, not at the beginning of the episode. I don't know. She she was she was struggling, she needed help, and then she orchestrates a fucking hit. Like she takes over the New Jersey crime family. Like, what in the fuck? Livia is the most powerful person. I am I am afraid of her energy, and therefore I stand Livia out of uh fealty and boot licking. I am afraid of that <laughs> that lady.
2: <laughs> I guess that's as like good a reason as any.
1: Is it time for Rachel's kink corner to
0: talk about Ben's dom sub relationship <laughs> with Livia? <laughs>
2: Uh yeah well I mean I think Ben pretty much said it all himself Ben wishes that Livia was his dom
1: she is my dom
2: oh god
1: she's also fucking junior that's really hot she
2: okay right. I we okay wait till the season two predictions because I do have a lot to say about Olivia okay oh,
0: right. uh, uh I guess it's my turn did you yes. want to guess
2: okay <clears throat> well you already said you always stand Carmella. So you have to tell us is it Carmella or is it uh, a Carmella. different okay.
0: I did not it, pick Carmela because I thought one of you would pick Carmela. So and it's, it's and going. it's gonna be um Sill. You stand Sill.
2: AJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Okay. Uh, my stand of the season is Christopher.
2: Oh my god. That's okay. a good one.
0: Christopher goes through a whole journey. He gets mm-hmm. the shit beat out of him. He poops his pants. <laughs> he sells drugs to teenagers. Uh, he falls into a depression. He tries to write his great American masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fails at that. Uh, he he only wants to be famous and, and notorious. Uh, and finally, uh, legend of Tennessee, Maltesanti. He gets a little bit of that. Um, and, uh, and we get to see some of his great relationship. Well, not great relationship, but we see some of his relationship with Adriana, which is great television. Um, and then, uh, Part of the reason that I stand him is this revelation from Rachel that he has sort of a bratty sub relationship with Tony, which is a whole new way to view the show. Um, so uh, I, I, my stand of the season was Christopher, and also he kills Mikey Palmese. So yeah, also cool. he kills Mikey Palmese. He, he, yeah, he loses his best friend, mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Fallone, the pedophile.
2: Yeah. I love- um,
0: <laughs> rest in the peace. The minor pedophile.
1: The...
2: <laughs> I hope he finds better friends in the next season.
0: We can only hope. Um, he, yeah, so uh, So yeah, so that was my, my stand of the season.
2: Nice. That's a good one.
0: Thank you. Uh, all right, so let's do season two predictions. Uh, Rachel, you said you had
2: a lot to say. Well, okay, I, <laughs> I have a few predictions but some of them i'm like i'm not quite sure that it's going to be this upcoming season or just like eventually um i do think in season two we'll see more of junior and livia's relationship explored
0: okay
2: i, I even, have
0: even though he's in prison and she's had a stroke
2: yeah i think we okay. have to i think we have to because it's they're so like to me, that's like the main mystery or cliffhanger of season one is like, what the fuck is going on with Livia and with Junior and that? Like, why is she so? Why does she wield so much power over him? Um, and their relationship is so deep and complex, like, we see that from how the show portrays them but we don't get any real explanation of why um and i want to know i'm desperate to know uh but uh yeah so i think also what i would love for our beloved chris is for him to become a made man in season two um but i don't know maybe the show will draw that out a little bit longer i hope Mm -hmm. they don't um because i think I think Chris will need to be... Now that Tony's, like, in charge, in charge, I feel like Chris will have to be kind of promoted. Um, And then I also... I have a... I think someone will have a baby. I don't know who. Okay. I think someone will get pregnant and have a baby.
0: Most of the characters are middle-aged, so...
2: Okay. You never know. I don't know. I just I was thinking about well that one that prediction really came from me thinking like what are common uh like storytelling like <laughs> devices mm-hmm. that writers use on TV shows and usually it's like a pregnancy or whatever, <clears throat> and it could be like they could because pregnancies. Oh my god, baby, they're so rich. You can use it for anything. Make a make a middle aged uh, character pregnant, and then she's like having a baby later in life. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe one of the Gumar's gets pregnant. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe a teen.
0: AJ knocks someone up.
2: Maybe AJ knocks Ooh. someone up. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: oh, I don't think AJ fucks. Oh, sucks.
2: no. No, AJ doesn't fuck yet. <laughs> People, <laughs> it, when you masturbate that vigorously and violently, <laughs> like, there, that is, I, <laughs> I don't think that's a person that right fucks. <laughs>
1: uh, okay.
2: Now I'm thinking about AJ and Meadow. Are we going to be... Wait, so,
0: hold on. In what?
2: No, no. I'm just thinking, like, are we gonna be subjected to seeing like one of them lose their virginity, and then that becomes like an episode or something like that? I feel like that's possible. If anything, in season two, I think it would be Meadow and not AJ because AJ is too young. But yeah, stuff. We did
0: see, we did see Meadow's uh, budding sexuality as she makes out with the Dominican guy uh, in that episode. Um, His Dominican ass. His As Dominican ass. Uh, all right, Ben. I know that you cheated, mm-hmm. but do you have any broader, broad predictions for uh, for season two? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm interested to see. Um, like, I, I know the idea of Jimmy Altieri uh, wearing a wire presented a significant portion of the suspense and the conflict in the final few episodes. And one thing that I'm that I want to know is. What happened to make him end up wearing the wire, and what's going to happen to the other characters to put them in a position where they may be confronted with the same possibility of ratting out their friends? Um, I- I'm I'm interested to see uh, what happens with Pussy. Uh, I I want to know, like, is he is he going to come back, and why was he gone, and why was he, um, you know, like yeah i i, I want to know more about about pussy than we all that's, that's uh, certainly
0: the big cliff certainly the big cliffhanger from the first season yeah what the fuck happened to pussy
1: i want to know um you know there's a scene where um what, what's his name donnie i guess when he gets killed by mikey and he you know he's he's talking about how he heard that Tony's own mother wants him whacked. I'm I, like, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see mm-hmm. how that got out to Donnie and yeah, and how the idea of Tony, you know, who knows about that, how everybody knows about that, and what results of it. Um, John, you mentioned something about the exploitation of the union, uh, and I'm excited to see what comes of that because you know that that is a huge, huge problem. and has been a huge problem in the latter half of the 20th century and early 21st century is, uh, organized crime infiltration of, of union affairs. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see whether, whether Meadow, uh, makes good on her dream to get away and um. whether or not that turns into a, you know, you know, whether Tony would feel the same kind of, um, I guess betrayal that I I, I suspect that Livia would have if Tony were to stop uh, whatever caused Livia and Tony to to have their breakthrough or break apart. Those are the things I'm looking for. Very cool. Very
0: good predictions. And of course I want to know what love is (laughs) now that (laughs) That I've already seen the show, so I'm not going to make any predictions. Um, All right. Well, we wanted to do this on the short side and I I think we just passed an hour.
2: Jesus Christ! <laughs>
0: good work. So, uh, yeah, uh, it'll probably be a little bit less than that when I do a little editing. But um, good, good work, gang.
2: Good work. And, we uh, did it. Happy Easter.
0: Happy, Happy Passover.
2: Thank.
0: You. Happy holidays. <laughs> um, so, next episode of this show, we will be talking about the first season of the first episode of the second season of The Sopranos. Which is called Guy Walks Into a Psychiatrist's Office. Um, And we look forward to moving into season two with you to exploring our predictions and uh, trying to uh, find some more leftist shit to talk to you about. Um, So until next time, wash your hands, go to therapy, take your medication, and organize for the revolution. We love love you.
3: Love you. From the ages one to four, round the age of five, you shift away for your body to be stored. They promise education, but really they give you tests and scores, and they predict prison population by who's scoring the lowest. And usually the lowest scores, the poorest, and they look like me. And every day on the evening news, they feed you fear for free, and you so numb you watch the cops choke out a man like me until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper. I can't breathe, and you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on TV. The most you give a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy But truly the travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy Replaced it with apathy, I wish I could magically Fast forward to the future so then you can face it and see how fucked up it'll be I promise I'm honest, they coming for you the day after they coming for me I'm the Chomsky, I'm Rita Bukowski, I'm laying low for a week I said something on behalf of my people, and I popped up in leak. Thank God that I'm covered. The devil can smother, and you know the evil don't sleep. Dick Gregory told me a couple of secrets before we lay down in his grave. All of us serve the same masters. All of us nothing but slaves. Never forgetting the story of Jesus, the hero was killed by the state. Just got done walking in the snow. God damn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. God damn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. God damn that motherfucker cold. Just got done walking in the snow. God damn that motherfucker cold. That motherfucker cold. Who really wanna run it with the Jew runners? Go hellfire high in a new summer. It's cold winter, baby and a blue summer. I suicide bomber in a blue hummer. Emerge at the side, not a on zone. Bad news coming to Sun, Tucson, Tucson. Three beats like a wet-dot Jew on them. Got a stroke, broke cool on him. Move on him. We move on, move on be the heroes, the breakers the chains and the muscles are locks. You be the suckers, supporting the bitches that talk to the cops. This is a manic attorney and basing a fuck up on rock. I'm not so sure opportunities knocking this party to law. Oh. Word to the old school tape, bitch. I get radio Raheem Beast, bitch. My Nike pin, this sacred. Similar to the Ghostface bracelet. Fry with a hoe. Oh, no joke. Probably go broke just off smoke. Fuck what we gonna do. non nah, smoke. Get a job, play the role, be a dope. Nah, I'ma do me. I got those. Got those, got those, got 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 They cheated, uh, cause that one of them black and the other one white. Uh, so if you don't like them, you automatically racist. Ah, uh, well, uh...